Welcome to the Retail Transformation Show with me, Oliver Banks. This is your weekly podcast, delivering you the insight, ideas, and inspiration to successfully change and transform in our ever-evolving world of retail. Enjoy listening. Well, hello, and welcome to the Retail Transformation Show. My name is Oliver Banks. I'm a retail transformation specialist, an advisor and a consultant, and I work with retailers to help define the ideal omnichannel operating model and lay out and deliver the change roadmap that brings that to life. Thank you for tuning in today. This one is episode 201. And today it's a pleasure to once again share the mic with Mr. Simon Heddo, a very good friend of the podcast. And I'm also going to be sharing the stage with Simon at the upcoming event, Productivity and Transformation. And that's what we're diving into today. The show notes are over at obandco.uk slash 201. And you can also find out more about the event over at obandco.uk slash pt22. That's obandco.uk slash pt22 to find out more about Productivity and Transformation 2022. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Simon Heddo. Simon, welcome back to the Retail Transformation Show. How are things? Very good. Very, very good. Not as warm as I have been at the time of recording, but all good in our world. Thank you. Good to be back. Absolutely. Well, you are by far (laughs) the most popular guest here on the Retail Transformation Show in terms of certainly number of episodes. So it's always a pleasure to have you joining us here on the show. Now, today, Simon, we are diving into our upcoming event which is less than a month away. It's about two weeks away now or so, which is incredible. What what are your thoughts on productivity and transformation, Simon? Yeah, looking forward to it. Can't wait. Plenty of prep gone in from from all of us that have been working on it behind the scenes, our our team and and your team. So hopefully everybody who's registered to attend will, will appreciate that. Some amazing content, some amazing speakers. Really a time to kind of, I think, you know, turn off your emails, turn off your phone, listen to some like-minded peers from your industry and maybe even different industries and kind of try and contextualize your plan. Hopefully there'll be some amazing hints and tips or you learn off some others there, meet some new people. Just, you know, how many times do we really get out of the office and just get some time to breathe and think and talk to people in our sphere? So yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I was reflecting, Simon, on actually our original idea for the event, which was going to be about the story of the future. But given everything that's going on right now in the world and in retail in particular, just didn't quite think that was the right fit, right? Which is why we took a bit of a pivot and said, let's focus on the challenges of the retail market today. Let's focus on the the different aspects of productivity, of transformation within that sphere within the fact that we know customer habits are changing and people are under all sorts of financial pressure. We know that colleagues equally are under similar sorts of pressure and actually have come off a long period of stress from COVID, of course. We know finances are going to be challenged, whether it be around profit warnings, whether it be around rising costs left, right and centre, and there's going to be a huge amount of change. 
which of course forms our four key pillars for the event, that of customer, colleague, cost and change. And that's what we are going to be exploring today, Simon, right? Absolutely. So the, the fundamentals, I think you've you've set the scene well there. You you can't hide away from the fact that these are going to be the most probably four important things in any business. And whether you, you kind of add property property into one of those pillars as well that under the cost one, maybe. Yeah, it, it's fundamental and you can't escape it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, of course, at Productivity and Transformation, we are going to be diving into each of these four pillars in a huge amount of detail. But Today, Simon, I hope we can just set the scene, whet people's appetites, get people thinking about different things and almost a bit of a, a trailer to the event. If you are attending, then I can't wait to see you there. Shall we start with customer, Simon? Absolutely. Always customer first. Best place to start. <laughs> customer first, indeed. Literally and metaphorically. So the customer, we, we've all heard about the changing consumer habits over the pandemic and as a result of the financial challenges that we face now. You know, there are perhaps many different aspects, but I wanted to dive as a beginning, dive into perhaps payment, Simon. What are your thoughts on the changing habits around payment from a, a customer or consumer perspective? I think I was surprised when I think it was a post office came out a couple of weeks ago at the time of recording that they'd seen a massive increase in cash being withdrawn. And the hypothesis was that it's because people are trying to manage their budgets more accurately and more consistently by taking out £50 and then knowing they've got £50 to spend. So mm. I think we've all, we've all talked about payment being more electronic, certainly post-COVID, digital, and certainly the big four grocers have gone through that or an, and are going through that exercise of removing man checkouts, moving us to self-scan, moving us to mm. belted self-checkouts or self-checkouts. So... I can see the logic why people are doing that. It, it kind of surprised me and I wasn't expecting it. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because I, I was actually listening to a book recently called, I think it was called Good Habits, Bad Habits. And part of that was talking about the mentality around saving. And actually there is scientific data that says if you are handing over a £10 note or a $10 bill or whatever, that physically feels a significant bigger investment than just scanning you know, your, your card or your phone or whatever for the same £10. As an individual, it makes you think about what you're spending your money on a lot more. So I, th I think in many ways, it's, it makes sense. But from an operation perspective, going back to cash adds a huge amount of strain with all the sort of cash handling and banking processes that need to go in and around that. So that's going to be interesting seeing how that side, which has been declining for years and years and years and sort of, you know, took a massive step forward when, of course, COVID said contactless everything. So, yeah, interesting to, to see that swinging back. You've got some thoughts on buy now, pay later as well, Simon. But uh, Yeah, again, it, it, when we enter into recessions, the, the buy now, pay later schemes, and I'm sure you'll, you'll all have seen them when you shop online, spread this cost over four months, spread this cost over 12 months, interest free, but there's those loopholes of if you miss a payment or you don't pay, there's a significant uh, APR, which is above and beyond probably most credit cards. I think th they get a bad press when we're in times of recession because... <laughs> 
I think I think the intentions are good to help people purchase things, and and we all like to feel good when times are dark and treat ourselves. Maybe they can't, but I think there's also that double-edged side to all of this. Of does it encourage people to stretch themselves further than they can physically afford? I, I'm sat on the fence, right? I I don't have an opinion particularly either way. I mm. just see there's a, a very polarized view of them. Yeah, I suppose it's similar in terms of perhaps the pushback to cash. Is it is it easier? to spend on a buy now pay later scheme should we say than it is even to put your credit card in or a debit card for example interesting interesting thoughts i'm sure we'll continue to see that change another changing consumer habit of course the elephant in the room is the whole online offline split and how that has evolved of course in the pandemic we saw a massive spike towards online since the pandemic we've seen that back off a bit broadly in line with a little uplift from the fairly linear trend that we saw for years and years and years, which I think is is fascinating, actually. What are your thoughts on the whole online offline trend from a customer perspective? If I break it down into kind of two groups of online offline spend, so I think for for food shopping, personally, we spend less when we shop online because we know what we want off the list. It's very difficult to browse, isn't it? The offers are presented, but when you physically shop a supermarket, you'll look at the ends and think, oh, I'll have some of that. I'll try this. That looks nice. Oh, I haven't had that for a while. I think mm. we, you lose that. Yeah, the, the impulse side is, is yeah. not there, right? So I think that may be a trend that grows because people will, I assume, find they spend less when they shop online. I may be completely wrong there. I think the other side of things, so fashion, certainly, the whole Amazon piece, electronics, all that kind of stuff you may buy more, but understanding that you're going to send some back. So I'm not sure if I'm a large, extra large medium. So I'll, I'll go for a large and extra large in this brand, knowing that I'm not going to keep both. And that's convenient. Typically returns are relatively cheap or free of charge, or you could drop them off in a shop. So I think overall, I'm sure it will grow. It'd be interesting to see kind of the, the detail underneath of which sectors are growing and actually which are in decline over the next 18 to 24 months. Yeah. And I have to be honest, at the event, I'm really looking forward to hearing from Diane Whirl, who will be exploring what some of the latest trends are in terms of how customers are shopping and where they're shopping, particularly with regard to sort of footfall analysis, etc. So that's going to be fascinating to see and hear. Shall we move on to colleagues, our second major pillar, Simon? Yeah, yeah, colleagues. Well, I think the the challenge with colleagues is how do you keep them in the, in the current uh, in the current climate. I'm sure everybody listening to this, everybody coming to the event, and those that will they'll follow up after the event, keep keeping your workforce at the moment in any industry. I think is really tricky. I think, and it'd be interesting to get your opinions. Ollie, costs are rising. Certainly, if you're a national living wage payer, that that's tricky. And there's an assumption that the national living wage will include under 21s from 2024 so a, a significant cost increase which we'll talk about later but i don't know i don't know what you see and i just think some of the salaries that are being paid for roles that i was doing you know 10 15 years ago a, a double even 2.5 times more and i don't know how sustainable that is yeah it's interesting i think it's obviously we've seen a number of different pay increases with regard to national living wage and at the end of the day, we need to remember our colleagues are people too, and they are facing extreme inflation for all of their personal living costs that are going up, whether it be petrol, food, utilities, etc., etc. And you know, even even though there has been that massive increase, 
no one gets rich working on the shop floor, unfortunately. It's, I think it's a great start to a career, but it's arguably not, not a career that everyone will choose because they have their sights set on other factors. I know retail is a massive starting point for many careers. I think it's about 75, 80% of people start their career in retail. And as a result, I'm always sort of excited by the amount of talent that is in there. And actually, you know, cost, cost will come back to in a minute. But if you are not keeping your people and you are letting some of that talent walk out of the door, how many future CEOs have left this year, left the industry, left to go and become, you know, an accountant or whatever it is that they're going off to do? I think that's always an interesting thought. Yeah, and I think the world's changed. You talked about kind of COVID in payment. People maybe want to work from home more, which is pretty difficult if you're in a, a live customer-facing environment and maybe part of some of the, the exit from the industry. Clearly, Brexit, we're, no, we're not really sure. I don't think what impact that's had. I know from a, a hospitality kind of point of view, it's really difficult for them to get housekeepers, for them to retain waitresses and waitresses. So there, there's certain organizations and industries that are acutely affected others are maybe seeing some of that and i like some of the stuff that's coming through so for me just giving people more and more pay rises feels quite blunt and isn't relative to the fact that at some point prices may plateau or even fall because that that's baked in so organizations looking at different metrics in terms of some of the softer benefits for colleagues incentive schemes some giving one-off or reviewable cost of living kind of bonuses so therefore it's not baked into to base salary so i think there's lots of opportunity i just worry for those that are increasing their cost base significantly because you're locking that cost in what does that mean for the the greater population of colleagues in that organization longer term yeah absolutely i think the other couple of elements to think about from a colleague perspective are the colleague jobs have changed significantly whether it is the massive spike in driver roles which i would argue is still a retail role you know it used to be a store associate many years ago but as e-com takes a greater share of market and home delivery becomes increasingly important then actually becoming a driver is just another form of retail colleague to serve the customer but also thinking about some of the additional tasks you know that different colleagues are taking on and actually the opportunities that presents as well to your point you know it's just not having a colleague doing the basic stuff. It's about actually what's what's the art of the possible. I personally love what John Lewis are doing with regard to their influencer campaigns. I think it's, it's absolutely fascinating. And for the right people, that's a great step in their in their career and for the company as well. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. So let's go to the big one that I'm sure is on lots of people's minds at the moment, cost. Cost balancing the profit and loss and all the cash flow is a huge focus right now and cost efficiencies and cutting waste is definitely high up the agenda as it often is to be honest but there is there is an important point here about focusing on value adding elements and making sure that you're doing a greater percentage of value add rather than just snipping through costs based on i don't know perhaps a cost heat map or something like that right yeah, I think, you know, removing non-value add, digitizing process, stopping process has always been on the agenda. I think people are having to be a lot more clinical and push those boundaries a lot further. I, I called some, when we'll talk about it at the conference, but you might hear me talk about the ugly list. Yeah. I think most organizations have done the easy stuff 
and hence why kind of we exist and, and you exist because if it was that easy there's that motto you'd have done it yourself so I think being benchmarked against your peers to understand where you, where you sit in a, a relatively industry group is, is massively insightful now because if somebody else in my industry can get to these levels of adding value versus non-value add how, how have they done it what are we missing obviously there's way to go if you're top of the league or the benchmarking where do you push further but yeah I think there's a whole piece around property we've talked before Ollie about kind of reviewing store estate you know how can you carry those stores that are borderline break even anymore or yeah. in, you know in points where the online presence is greater than the physical presence how do you maintain that leadership structures again everybody's going around but we're now at the point of do I need one of those in every store can I group stores satellite stores so this will push the boundaries but inevitably will then push innovation creativity which hopefully plays back into helping to lower the cost base and adds value back into the customer so if we get it right we should come out of this in a much better place but I don't for any at any point think this will be an easy journey for most organizations yeah absolutely i mean cutting the store tail so to speak is is always a conversation that comes up in harder times right whether it's sort of macro or micro harder times but of course there's all the negative pr that comes with that as well in terms of such and such a retailer is closing 200 stores isn't that awful and then i'm sure we can expect all the (laughs) death of the high street headlines etc coming out but thinking about cost though you know it's just a bit of a chronic situation at the moment we've got you know rising energy prices and utility prices cost of goods is massively spiking raw materials labor fuel transport shipping logistics all of these different things are all increasing all at the same time it's kind of a bit of a hangover from covid and supply chain crisis and all the silicon chips and technology crisis and building materials etc you've obviously got Ukraine-Russia war, which is is challenging, particularly utilities and fuel, etc. Global financial crisis is like properly, properly big. I mean, there's there's not really any comparisons, are there, Simon? In terms of, I know we we can look back at what 2008 or so, but that wasn't, I would say, from a certainly a rising cost perspective, wasn't quite so critical as we are right now. No. No, no. And I think there's a real danger we get pulled into the media doom and gloom of, of all of this. And I'm, I'm not... <laughs> Sorry about that. That's uh, not what I meant to, no, meant to do. <laughs> I'm not, not belittling this in, in any way, shape or form. But I think people have got to see opportunity. So the opportunity to rework how things are done. And we've seen it in some of the car manufacturing things where, where they've been short of some of the chips they need for the reversing cameras and key fobs. They've then manufactured a way out of those chips that they don't need them. So mm. I think it will drive things like that, which hopefully lead us in a better place. I'm, I'm sure, you know, rising cost of petrol is going to force people's hands into electric fleet, but maybe it doesn't work today, but that will then force the manufacturers to come up with batteries that can do six, seven, eight, nine hundred miles, can be recharged yes. in 20 minutes. So it, it will fast forward some things and turbocharge some things, which will be immensely beneficial. Clearly, there's going to have to be some sacrifices to buy that. And again, we, we've talked about capital expenditure is, is going to be really tricky for some organizations because where do you get the cash from if cash is cheap? It's easy to borrow, but if interest rates are going up, then it's more difficult to borrow. So everything's got a real dichotomy in terms of how you make your decision and and what that possibly could lead to or the longer term consequences of that. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. And I think sort of, you know, 
capital availability and actually, more importantly, the return on the capital is going to be critically important and actually making sure that you are getting the best bang for your buck out of every pound or euro or dollar that you invest is going to be hugely important. And I think with that, it kind of leads us on to our fourth pillar of change, right? And how do you actually make the changes, deliver projects in a successful, efficient and effective way? What are your thoughts on the change pillar, Simon? I know we've done a kind of podcast dedicated to this, haven't we, in terms of the whole transformation piece, whether it's, I call it evolution or, or revolution. I think there will need to be some evolutionary points. There'll be journeys, probably back to the kind of whole electric car, or electric van fleet for online deliveries is an evolution. You're not going to buy a fleet and do it overnight. But I think some other things will need to transform. So yes. using those, you know, lean Six Sigma principles, all that kind of stuff, which is embedded in lots of organizations, these these teams are going to be at the forefront of lots of this, even more so than maybe they've been before. But it's going to have to be transformational change. It's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be nerve wracking for some organizations and that there'll be some mistakes along the way, which is, is just part of the process, unfortunately. But if you don't transform you're just going to chip away at the edges and you're probably going to struggle to see that benefit, see that saving, see that increase in whatever customer metric that that you're looking for. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely does. And that's actually, to be honest, why I'm so excited that our event is called Productivity and Transformation with a particular stress on the word and actually, because I think you do need to think about, as you say, evolutionary and revolutionary the productivity side that is optimizing and turbocharging your current business, as well as how do you reinvent and push push the business forward for the future as well. Again, excited to hear from Ian Shepherd, who's doing our closing keynote. And Ian, of course, has written a couple of books, including Reinventing Retail, and has some superb thoughts on both how do you optimize a business for these challenging times, but also at the same time, How do you transform it and get it ready for the future such that as time passes and as the market does improve, which of course it will do in time, you're there ready to ready to catapult yourself. I'm sure you've heard the phrase around, you know, great companies are forged in hard times. And I think that's absolutely going to be true for the next 18, 24, 36 months, however long we're in this journey for. Do you agree, Simon? Yeah, absolutely. As ever, the strong will survive, won't they? And it will represent opportunity for those companies. You only need to look at kind of Mike Ashley and his group and somebody in the high street falls into difficulty and and Mike's there. If you like him or not, irrelevant. He's keeping lots of people in retail in jobs and and he will buy those companies and take it into the sports direct mold the flannels mold standalone. So there will be some winners out of this. There always is. Unfortunately, there'll be some losers. But I think as you say, the, the strong will survive and and will prosper. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So buckle in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's uh, going to be a roller. It's going to be a roller coaster. That's for sure. Indeed, it is. Indeed, it is. And that's what we're going to be exploring at Productivity and Transformation on the fifteenth of September. I cannot wait. It's going to be an absolutely awesome day. As we've we touched on today, we've got a couple of amazing keynotes to proverbially bookend the day. But in between, we've got some incredible panels, fireside chats, lots of opportunity for networking as well. It's going to be fantastic. Yeah, yeah. And lunch will be good too. I've seen the menu. And lunch will be good too. (laughs) (laughs) Simon, thank you so much 
As always, it's a pleasure to catch up with you and I can't wait to rock the stage with you. No, I'll make sure I've done my air for it. I'm sure you will have done. And I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll see you on the 15th. See you then, Simon. Cheers. really looking forward to productivity and transformation now it's really not that far to go and i do hope that you will be there if you're looking for some extra episodes to listen to next then here are three recommendations firstly the last time simon was on the show was episode 197 number 197 we had a bit of a fun look at the great retail acronym challenge so put yourself to the test and see how well you can do episode 197 you might also enjoy episode 137 also with simon and we explored if lean six sigma is still relevant and then finally if you've not already listened make sure you check out episode 200 the milestone episode where i took a look at eight ever trends of retail So those three recommendations, as well as other links, are going to be waiting for you at the show notes page, which today you can find at obandco.uk slash 201. That's obandco.uk slash 201. Thank you so much for tuning in. Do hit subscribe on your favourite podcast app, and I'll look forward to joining you on another episode very soon. Bye for now.